Hey, we're in week two of this series um, that we're calling Legacy. And last week we talked about uh, the, the main idea was we get to give, right? We're talking about how do we leave a legacy when it comes to being generous in life. And, and we talked about how we, we don't have to give. Come on, we get to give. This is something we get to do. We get to be generous to people. And, and we laid the groundwork for something that we're doing in about four weeks. We're calling it the Legacy Offering. And if you're a guest with us today, listen, no pressure for you to give at all. This is for one of those things that people who call City Hope home. But um, the Legacy Offering has five different lanes to it. Uh, local missions, national missions, international missions, the Leadership Academy, and then buildings and projects. And so 100% of that offering is gonna go to those kinds of things. None of it's gonna go to operational budget type stuff. So we're getting excited about how we can accelerate missions in our local community, in the, in the world, uh, in the nation, through church planting. So if you missed last week, I would highly encourage you to go back, listen to the podcast on iTunes, or you can watch the message online. But I would love for you to do that. Uh, we also discovered that legacy is what other people remember about you when you're gone, right? When, hey, when we've lowered you in the ground and there's nothing but dirt on top of you, what would other people remember about you? Was it the stuff we amassed and collected and all of the things we did, or was it how we made a difference in people? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way, that we're focusing on what matters most, and what matters most are things that live forever. So uh, one person said it this way, the goal of life is not to live forever, but to leave something that does. That's good. The goal is not to live forever, but to leave something that does. That's a legacy. We're leaving a legacy. Benjamin Franklin said this. He said, if you would not be forgotten as soon as you're dead, uh, either write something worth reading or do something worth writing. That's good. Let's do something worth, worth our kids telling their kids about. You know what I'm talking about? Let's, let's make a legacy. So legacy is what we do with our time, what we do with our talents, how we're serving people in our community. But it's also, what are we doing with our treasure? What are we doing with what God has given us? How are we making a difference in people's lives uh, when it comes to our money and our finances? So, um, so we're, we're learning how to do that, right? So I want to take a look at our theme verse real quick. It's Psalms chapter 112. It's verse 5 and 6, and it says, Good is going to come to those who are generous. That sounds like a promise to me. Like, good's going to come to those who are generous and lend freely. To the people who conduct their affairs with justice. In other words, what you, what you do is above table. Right, it's above the board. And you're, you're not doing all this stuff under the table and all this. No, you're, 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 you're doing things right. You're treating people fairly. You're treating people well. So good's going to come to people who are generous, who lend freely, conduct their affairs with justice. And I love this part. The righteous, surely the people who do all that, the righteous, will never be shaken. In other words, things may be falling apart around you. Things may be falling apart even in your life, but you can still stand firm on the word of God because you're, you're taken care of. He's got you. You're not going to be shaken, right? And, and then what happens? They leave a, a legacy. They're remembered forever. They leave a legacy forever. So what I want to help us do today is I want to get a little bit um, surgical today. You know, surgery doesn't always feel good, uh, but sometimes they got to open us up and take some things out of us and tweak some things, right? 
So today, it's going to, it might feel a little bit like surgery, <laughs> all right? But, but I, I want to I talk about this. I want to ask you the question and help you answer the question, am I generous or am I selfish? Mm-hmm. Somebody said, mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Am I, am I generous or am I selfish? That's the question I want us to, to answer today. It kind of reminds me of a story that I heard about a guy named Joe. Joe was having a problem um, uh, with his generosity, so he went to his small group leader. And he said, man, I'm just having a problem with, with generosity, with giving to the church now. And his small group leader goes, what are you talking about? What's going on? He says, well, back when I made $50 a week, I gave $5 in the offering. No big deal, right? I could handle that. But, you know, I started making $500 a week, and then it was $50 a week. And, I, you know, I could do that. It was okay. But now that I make $5,000 a week, and I'm having a hard time writing that $500 check. Will you pray for me? And the small group leader said, yeah, we'll pray. Let's pray. So he said, dear Lord, I'm asking you to reduce Joe's income back down to $500 a week <laughs> so he can give, right? That's not a prayer any of us want to pray, right? And, and it's, it's a joke, but I think it does reveal some things about the battle that goes on inside of us. Listen, listen, today's message, no condemnation at all. You need to get that. There's no condemnation. I don't, I don't know anything about where you're at with your giving and all that, but I'll tell you this. This joke kind of sets us up to know that there's a common trap people fall into. And here's what I'm saying, that a lot of people will... Uh, their reason for not being generous, not even in church, but just in, the, in life in general, is I can't afford that. That's the reason. I can't afford to be generous. So there's, uh, what I've come to know is there's two reasons why people, uh, one reason why they won't be generous and one reason why they will. So the people who aren't say, I can't afford it, but the people who are say, I can't afford not to. I, I, I can't afford not to. It's just part of, part of our lives. I can't imagine where we would be if we weren't living this principle. So uh, it always makes sense to be generous to God. Always makes sense because he's generous towards us. He's always been generous towards us. But listen, he's more than generous. He is extravagant in his love towards us, in his grace, in his provision. He's extravagant towards us. So what I want to do today is I want to read a story from from the book of John about a lady who gave an extravagant gift to Jesus. And then we're going to talk through this, okay? So John chapter 12, it's verse 1 through 8. It says, six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead. Okay, this is the same Lazarus that was in the tomb for four days. He was there four days, whom he had raised from the dead. Jesus raised him up after four days. And there they made a supper for Lazarus. Y'all know what a supper is, right? That's like, that's dinner in the South. That's the supper is dinner. But Lazarus, uh, it, it was uh, Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those who reclined at the table. Remember, Lazarus had two sisters that we know of, Mary and Martha. So Martha's serving here, and then it says Mary, his other sister, brought out a, a very costly oil of spikenard. Now, this oil was imported, and it was in an alabaster box. It was very costly. I'm talking about like worth a year's wage, a year's worth of salary. And she broke it open and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. 
And I just kind of highlighted those things because I, I believe that anytime we're extravagant in our giving to God or other people, it's a sweet fragrance to God. He just enjoys that, right? And it makes a difference in people's lives. So she's poured this extravagant offering out, but then one of the disciples, Judas, Iscariot, Simon's boy, I, don't, I bet if Simon could go back, he'd say, hey, just leave my name out of this, would you? Like, don't bring me in to this. Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii? There's, there's how we know it was worth about a year's wage, because one denarii was worth a day's wage. 300 denarii is worth uh, about a year's wage in those times. Why wasn't this sold for a year's wage and given to the poor? This he said, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, And he had the money box. He was the church secretary, guys. And he used to take what was put in it. And and Jesus said, hey, you need to leave her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. The poor you will always have. And this is not a slap in the face of people who are poor or are impoverished. This is He's just saying, look, uh, there's always going to be opportunity to serve other people. But right now, your main mission is to serve me. And I'm here right now in front of you. And he says, me, you don't always have in the flesh and blood in front of you. So when I read this story, I get two questions. The first one is, why did Mary pour out such an extravagant gift on Jesus? And we're going we're gonna to come to that in a minute. But when you think about it, like the gift that she poured out on Jesus' feet was a year's worth of salary. Now, I want you to imagine you take your salary, whatever that is. I don't know what it is. Let's just say it's $40,000 a year. And you go up to J.C. Penney, and you say, hey, I know this Stetson cologne is only worth about $20, but I want to give you $40,000 for this Stetson. How about some Old Spice? You got some Old Spice? I wanna get, I'm going to buy some perfume, some, some Old Spice, and then you take that, and you go pour it out on somebody's feet, toe jam and all. Nasty. Right, And you pour it out, and you can't get this back. You cannot get this oil back. It's gone. It's poured out. Why would she, why would she do that, right? I remember when Annalise and I first got married. She used to nanny for uh, a surgeon in town. We had moved to Alabama, and, and they got us, our, our very first Christmas together, they got us uh, some pr- Christmas gifts. One of the gifts was a bottle of cologne that they got me from Neiman Marcus. I don't know if y'all can tell, I don't shop at Neiman Marcus. But they got this cologne, it was called Creed, and, and it was the worst smelling cologne I've ever smelled in my life. Honest to God, it was nasty. And I thought, what, you know, what, what is this? How much did they spend on this bottle of cologne? I, I don't know if it was Google back then, probably Yahoo. I Yahooed it, right? Nobody knows what Yahoo is. I binged it. Nobody knows what that is. I Googled it, and I found out they had, they had paid $285 for this bottle of pee water. It was nasty. <laughs> it was gross. My first thought, my first thought was, why didn't you just give me $285? <laughs> right? But, but really, that made me more like Judas, because that's what Judas did. Why didn't you just give me the money? Why did you pour that out on Jesus' feet? So it really, it, did, it wasn't up to me what they did with their money. 
Do you know what I'm talking about? It wasn't up to me, but I was a little perturbed. that I, Man, I could have used $285. So here's, here's where I'm going with it. The, the other question I have as I read this story is why did it bother Judas so much? Like why, why did that cologne bother me? Why did this bother Judas? It wasn't his money. It wasn't like he didn't have any say in it. It was hers to do whatever she wanted to do with. It bothered him because he couldn't get it. He, he couldn't have it. And so what I want to do is, is I want to highlight how this, this story really highlights wherever you find generosity, you're going to find selfishness. Wherever you're going to find generosity, you find selfishness battling for control. And we've got to take an inward look at ourselves and ask ourselves, am I generous or am I selfish? Am I like Mary or am I like Judas? So several years ago, I read a book called The Blessed Life that really opened my eyes to, some, to generosity. I feel like we've always been generous, but this book just accelerated some of our thoughts and our principles. And I want to I just kind of use some of what I've learned over the years to help teach you today. So I want to give you three principles about generosity in your notes. The first one is this. The, this principle is the enemy of generosity. The enemy of generosity is selfishness. It's battling for control in you. And it, want, it, wants to, it wants to dictate your decisions. And here's the deal. We're all born selfish. Come on. We're all born selfish. For most of us, our first word was mine. 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 We, you know, as parents, we thought it was um, mama or dada. It was mine, I can tell you. Right? We're, we're born with that mentality. But God's hope is that we'll grow out of that mentality and that we'll be able to recognize that all that we have is given to us by him. And if we know that, then, then we don't have to be selfish with it. So it's not really ours in the first place. Come on, y'all. It's, it's his. So he's the owner. All right, imagine this. Uh, imagine that God's the owner, and he made all of us managers of the resources that he's given us. Now, as the owner, God has a family business, and his business meets every Sunday morning. It's the local church. It's his bride. It's his, it's his baby. You know what I'm talking about? He, he formed it. He founded it. It's his deal. And he says, you can use the resources for whatever you want in this life. All I'm asking you to do is take a percentage and take care of the family business. Make sure it doesn't go under. Make sure it, it, it not just survives but thrives. Make sure that people can keep coming to know me. And so if we're not careful, though, we'll fall victim into selfishness, thinking, I can't do that. I can't be generous to that person. I can't buy their grocery. I can't do that. I can't, you want me to fill their car up with gas? Oh, I don't know if I can do that. But that's the selfish part of us. So here's the deal. Judas did not care about the poor. When he made his statement, he didn't care about the poor. He, he, his statement was a cover-up for the selfishness that was going on inside of him. Are you following me? He, he, was the church, he was the secretary. He kept the money box, and he used to embezzle money out of, out of the box. So when he saw Mary's perceived waste, he said, I, I, I could have used, used that money. Come on, that's a, that's a waste. Why didn't we give that to the poor? He didn't care about the poor. It was a cover-up. But let me ask you this. Who gave him the money box? You ever thought about that? That Jesus, the all-knowing Son of God who knows everything, he could read people's minds. 
Surely he knew that Judas was going to steal from him. Jesus gave Judas the money box. Why would he give Judas the money box? To give Judas an opportunity to pass a test. To pass a test whether you're going to be selfish or generous, Judas. Whether you're, you're going to help yourself to this. He knew, I think that's what God does sometimes. He teaches us and he tests us where we're, where we're a little bit weak so that we can grow stronger in those areas. Listen to me. We're a lot like Judas when we point our fingers at the extravagance of other people and we say, we point our fingers and we're covering our, our, our own selfishness up. We're like Judas. Think about this. Have you ever said something like, how could, how could they in good conscience drive a car like that? They ought to sell that and, and give the money to the poor. Um, well, man, did you see the coat she's wearing? Did you see the Louis Vuitton purse that she's got? She probably could have, she probably could have helped a lot of people with what she paid for that. Or, or maybe it's this one. You know, I, I could have done a lot of good with the money that they spent on that vacation or that boat or that house or that rifle or that ATV. Come on, somebody. Am I preaching to anybody today? Like, listen, what, what, here's where I'm going. Statements like that reveal, and I told you it's going to be surgery. I warned you ahead of time. Statements like that reveal a selfish, greedy, jealous heart inside of us. And it's ugly. It's ugly. So if you've ever said something like, you know what, man, I can't believe they bought that house. They should sell that and give it to the poor. Let me ask you, why don't you sell your house and give it to the poor? Because you don't care about the poor. When I've said things like that, I didn't care about the poor. I, I just didn't like the fact that they had something I didn't have. And it was selfishness. Am I preaching this morning? Am I helping anybody today? And I'm, again, I'm, I don't know your, your story. But I'm just I'm, I'm teaching us today to let selfishness go. The truth is we don't care about the poor when we say those things. We just don't like that they have something we don't have. And that is the Judas mentality. That's selfishness. It shows that selfishness and greed and envy and comparison want control in our lives. So the only way for you to defeat selfishness is to be generous. Really? Yeah. The only way for you to defeat selfishness in your life is to be generous. So we're going to give you an opportunity to be generous this week. Not th through the offering, but on your way out, we've got these bags. We call it a bumper bag. And we're going to send as many as you want to take with you. You take as many as you want. Fill it up with canned food, with, with non-perishables, and bring it back next week. And, and we're going to accelerate somebody's mission in Wichita Falls. And here's what you're going to find out when you go to the grocery store. You're going to find out, as you, maybe you take a bag and, and you're like, okay, I'll, I'll get this much. You're going to find so much joy in what you're doing. And you're pulling stuff off the shelf and you're like, man, this is fun. I want to I do two or three bags. Man, forget it. I'm doing a cart full for, for this. Because why? You're happier when you give than when you receive. It's what we learned last week. So you're going to love doing that kind of thing and it's going to squash the selfishness in your life. I promise you, you're going to see that this week. So you grab those on your way out and we'll, we'll, we'll defeat selfishness in Jesus' name, right? So the second um, principle that I want to give you this week is the extravagance of generosity. This is another thing that 
we see in Mary's um, life here, what she gives to God. So let me, let me ask you a question. How much would constitute uh, an extravagant gift to God? Like a million dollars? A hundred million? A billion? hundred billion? What constitutes, what kind of gift would impress God? And the answer is none of that. Nothing will impress God. Nothing we give can impress God. The most extravagant and impressive gift that you can give God is you. It's yourself. And that's, a, that's the kind of gift that somebody like Judas, a selfish-hearted person like Judas, could never hope to give. In fact, he, he died in his selfishness. So, let me say it this way. Uh, there are three levels of generosity. I'm going to give you these three levels real quick. The first one is, is tithes. These are biblical. I'm just going to skip through these. Tithing is the biblical principle. 10% first uh, in, in the um, Old Testament and the New Testament, we see this principle. And then we see offerings. All right, Tithing is, I don't even consider it generous. I consider it obedient. That's what we do as obedience to God. The offerings, though, is where generosity begins to um, emerge. But then after offerings, we see extravagant offerings or painful offerings. And it, we say it's a painful offering because it hurts. You know what I'm talking about? It's the kind of gift that, that you know God's calling you to give it, but it's, it doesn't always feel good. It's a painful offering. And, and there are a few different examples in the Bible of extravagant offerings. One of them, David gave $21 billion to build Solomon's temple. That's an extravagant offering. But his son then turns around and gives a, a thousand sacrifices on the day that the, that the temple was dedicated. That's extravagant. But it's not just about the amount of money because there's a widow woman in the New Testament who gave two pennies and Jesus said she gave more than everybody else because she gave all she had. It was extravagant. Uh, there's Abraham who prepared to give his only son as a sacrifice. He didn't have to because 2,000 years later, God gave his only son to be the sacrifice. So there's extravagance all throughout the scripture. So let's go back to, let's go back to this, to Mary. An extravagant heart stems from a grateful heart. So why did Mary pour out such an extravagant gift on Jesus? The answer is really pretty simple. Because he had raised her brother from the dead. Think about that. Her brother Lazarus was dead four days in the tomb. He stinketh, is what the King James said. He stinks. Does not smell good. Jesus, what are you doing? And he raises Lazarus from the dead. She gave out of a grateful heart. How could I not want to bless you and give. How could I not want to do this for you, Jesus? So let me, let me say this. If you're looking for a reason to be generous, how about the fact that you once were dead, but now you are alive? You were dead in your transgressions of sin and impurities, but now you are alive in Christ Jesus. That's a pretty good reason to want to be generous. And that's what happens with, with Mary. See, generosity and extravagant generosity is, is relative. I want to tell you that. That extravagant generosity isn't just something the rich do. And you're, maybe you're thinking, yeah, I'm not rich for sure. I'm definitely not rich. So, it, you know, extravagance isn't for me. But really, people with little or no 
uh, no things can be extravagant. You can be extravagant in your giving. According to givingwhatwecan.org, if you live at or below the poverty level, about $26,000 a year and less for a family of four, if you're, if you're at that level of income, you are still in the top 22% of the world's richest people. Well, I'm not rich, Pastor. According uh, to statistics, we're all rich. We're all rich. If you've got just a little bit of money in the bank, you're, you're richer than most of the world. Come on, somebody. So, well, what does that have to do with me? Well, you may not feel rich based on your income, but what if being rich has nothing to do with your income and it has everything to do with your generosity? Are you all with me? It's a little, uh, the, the surgery has begun. <laughs> got some band-aids. Got some, uh, need some neosaporin. Anybody's got? How do you say it? Neosporin, neo, neosaporin. That's how we say it in God's country. First Timothy 6 says it this way. To, to those of you who are rich, okay, which is all of us, teach those, Paul telling Timothy, teach the people who are rich. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not rich. Yeah, we're rich. We're rich. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and, and not to trust in their money. Hey, don't trust in your riches. Don't trust in your ability to earn an income because that's unreliable, the Scripture says. Hey, come on, somebody. It's here today. It can be gone tomorrow. Don't trust in that. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us everything we need <laughs> for, for enjoyment. Tell, tell everybody who's rich, tell us, tell them, to use their money to do good, right? They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need around them, always being ready to share with others. And when you do this, you're going to be storing up treasure. Last week, we learned that Jesus told us, don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store it up where? In heaven, Store it up in heaven. And when you do this, you'll be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so that you may experience, what's these last words? True life. True life when we are generous. All right, that's the extravagance of generosity. Let me give you number three. God rewards generosity. It's the third principle. And it's one that I want to carefully walk through because... I, I want you to leave today with a clear understanding of why we give, why we are generous, whether it's in church or outside of church, at the gas station, buying somebody's breakfast at the drive-thru. Here's why we are givers and generous people. See, a generous heart doesn't give to be rewarded. Here's what I'm saying. We don't give to receive. That is the completely wrong motive to give. We give out of obedience. We give because God asks us to give. We are, we're a blessing to somebody because God asks us to be. So God wants us to give and be generous out of obedience, not the reward. Okay, let me tell you a little story. Um, Annalise and I have four boys, and we're trying to raise up boys who are obedient, and they listen, and... It backfires on us a whole lot, right? Um, 
they're good boys. They're good boys. But, uh, you know, we're teaching them like, hey, I, I want you to be instantly obedient to me. If I wanted you to do this later, I would have told you to do it later. I want you to do it now. That's why I'm telling you now, right? That kind of thing. Well, a while back, we had said, look, we're, if, you, if you behave, if we don't have to get on to you, if you'll listen to us, if, if you don't fight with one another, if, you, if you're obedient, there might be a reward. Now, in our house, might be means it's not going to happen, but we just need you <laughs> to, to listen, to, to just be good, right? At least that's my language. It's like might be is not a promise, right? I told you I might. I didn't say I would. So we might, and I decided not to, right? <laughs> well, uh, when we told them that, they immediately began with these expectations of what this reward might be. Man, uh, we get a new video game, or we're going we're gonna to get uh, you know, some toy or costumes, or we're, we're, we're going to go to Chuck E. Cheese, you know, what, whatever. They've built in their mind what this reward is going to be that is the furthest thing from what we had in mind, right? <laughs> hey, we'll give you some ice cream from Brahms. How about that? That's a good... But because they had built this, this false expectation, there was a huge meltdown and a letdown. You know what I'm talking about? Because, oh, well, you said you were going to do this for us. I never said that I was going to do that for you. But here's, here's what I learned from that. Here's what I learned is that I would much rather my boys obey me because they love me, because they want to do what's right, because they love the Lord, and, and not because they're going to get a reward out of it. Is anybody else with me? Well, listen, I believe that's the way it is with the Lord, that he would much rather us obey him because we love him, because we want to do what's right, because we, because we care about our relationship with him. We want to do good things, and we, we want to bless other people, not because we think we're going to be rewarded if we obey him. Can I get a witness? That, that's, that's what I'm saying. So, so, Let me say it this way. Mary's gift, when Mary gave her gift, she had no idea that it would be used the way that it was used. When Mary gave, she had no promise of any return for that. When Mary gave, she had no idea she would be the only one to anoint Jesus' body for burial. In those days when they took him, when they, after they had passed away, they would anoint their body to preserve the body. Jesus didn't get that because Mary did it six days before. She had no idea she would be anointing him before his death. She had no idea that her gift would be used, that it would be rewarded. She had no idea that Jesus would say, wherever the gospel is preached in all of the world, you're going to remember this lady. She, she had no idea. She gave because she was grateful, because it was obedience, because she wanted to give. So... Uh, I want to share uh, a little bit of our story, and, and honestly, I really hesitate to do this because for nine months, we've been building your trust, and we've been telling you, and, and we, we, we've been, uh, we, we don't preach about generosity and giving very often. If you're a guest here and you're thinking, man, um, is this what it's like every week? Ask somebody. No, it's not. I'm teaching generosity. But I want to share just from our perspective some of these principles and how God has played out in our lives. Um, we've always been what I would think is generous people. We've always given to the church. We've always been faithful with that part. 
But in 2006, the church we were serving at in Alabama was in a building campaign. And we were trying to raise a million dollars over a two-year period. And we, we felt like, I mean, we were young. We had one child at the time. We felt like, man, this is, um, we, we, can, we can give $5,000 extra over a two-year period. We can do that. that. That's doable. But the more we prayed about it, God began to just put on our hearts that, I'm not asking you for, for that. Um, we kind of felt like God was telling us to double that and to give $10,000 over a two-year period. That wasn't doable for us. That was like we needed a miracle to do that. And, but we, we went with it. And so there was a legacy offering type of an offering coming up at our church. And um, we prepared to give. And we always started out in those kinds of things, bringing like a, a first portion of what we had pledged. We don't do pledges here, uh, but we did there. And we had about $6,000 in our savings account. And we just felt like the Lord said, I want you to, I want you to empty that out in the offering. Um, and so we did. We, we left a little bit of emergency fund there. And we said, Lord, we're giving this to you. We want to give it. We don't feel like compelled. We're not doing this because we feel like, like pressure to do this. We do it because we believe this is what we're supposed to do. We're going to honor you with this. And we're going to trust you with it. Um, but there were some things we really wanted to do that year. We wanted to pay off some property we had in a little subdivision. We wanted to buy or build a house. And in order to do those things, we needed more income too. And so we just said, Lord, we're going to give this no matter what happens. But it should, would, sure would be nice, Lord, if we could see some of these things happen this year in our lives. We gave the offering within a few weeks um, more than what we had given was put back into our bank account. Somebody gave us a check. That year, um, we paid off the land. That year, somebody gave us twenty percent down payment for a house. We were blown away. Like God, what are you doing? 2008 rolls around, guess what? We're grateful. How could we not want to be generous, Lord? You've been so good to us. We're going to give more. We ask, Lord, we're just asking you to bless our family. Would you pour out your blessing on our family? He poured his blessing out on our family. We had a truck at the time. We paid it off that year. It was incredible. 2010, I'm just hitting some highlights for you. Just, and I'll tell you why in a second. In 2000, since 2010, we've been able to give away three of our personal vehicles. Uh, they're paid off, and we find somebody in need, or we feel like the Lord says, they could use what you have. And because they're paid off and we have a title in the safe, we can go, hey, this is for you. We believe God wants you to have this. Last year, when, when we were getting ready to move here, we had put our house on the market and we had some equity in our home and we knew that we would not ask anybody to give to City Hope Church if we weren't willing to give. We, we were moving our family across the United States. We're, we're not planning on it failing. Come on, somebody. We're, gonna, we're sticking this thing out, right? When our house sold, we had some equity 
And uh, the first check we wrote was a $10,000 check to City Hope Church because we believe in this. And we're not, we didn't move our family from Alabama in the comfort zone of the life we had to come to Texas and ask somebody else to do something we weren't willing to do ourselves. Why am I sharing that with you? Um, I've only shared it one other time publicly, and I only share it for a couple reasons. First, because I want you to know when I stand up here and I talk about generosity, I'm practicing what I'm preaching. I'm not, I'm not up here asking people to do something I won't do. But secondly, I'm telling you about it because I want to be an example. And, and I want to spur some of you on to a life of generosity. Some of you who are letting selfishness kind of reign in your life. You're letting selfishness have control of your life. And the only way you can break out of that is generosity. And listen to me. God can't give you more. You're out there praying for God's blessing. God can't give you more if you're holding on to what you have with closed fists. You're going to have to open that up and say, God, what I have is yours. I give it to you. If you want me to give it to somebody else, I'll give it to somebody else. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'm holding it with open hands. It's not mine, Lord. It's yours. That's the only way he can keep blessing you, keep pouring out his blessings in your life. So you say, uh, Ben, what makes you so generous? How can you do that? How can, how can you do those things? And I think for me it boils down to, and probably Annalise would tell you the same thing, is that um, we just never got over being saved. <laughs> and I remember who I was before Jesus. And I remember the wretched person I was and how sinful and immoral and lustful and impure. And I remember that. I remember that I once was dead, but now I'm alive in Christ. And I will do anything he asks me to do. I'll do anything. Would you bow your heads with me today? I will close out with prayer. Let me ask you, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? And maybe there's a specific area in your life where you're struggling with generosity. Maybe you're wrestling with selfishness. You're wrestling to become generous. You, you want to do that, but it's this selfish part of you that keeps you in bondage to, to that thing. Maybe you're thinking, man, I... I uh, I'm selfish. I've been calling the shots in my life. I've been doing things my way. I haven't even let God have control in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm calling the shots. I'm in charge. And if that's you, if that's how you feel today and you're ready to just relinquish the control, like to let go of it and to let God have control of your life, let me remind you that the most extravagant gift you can give God is yourself. He wants you. He wants relationship with you. We're talking about legacy. The greatest legacy you could give people in your life is leaving them a legacy of life change. 
where you surrender control of your life to God. And if you're ready for that today, ready to surrender, to make him the Lord of your life, on the count of three, I want you to lift up your hand. If that's you, one, two, three. If you're ready to surrender control of your life. I'm not even talking about finances. I'm talking about you're ready to make Jesus the Lord of your life, to give him control of every part of you. If that's you, lift up your hand today. Be bold. God bless you. Thank you. Who else? Thank you so much. Thank you. I see you there. God bless you. I want to give him all. I want to give him everything that I have, all that I am. Let him lead me and guide me. I want him to be my savior. Who else? Thank you. Thank you. Come on, let's pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I surrender. I give my life to you. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. I am yours. You're my savior, my Lord, my best friend. I give up control, and from this day forward, I will live my life for you the best that I know how. I'm committed. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen.